0: You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. This is MLB.com Extras, Kansas City Royals edition. I'm Anthony Kastrovitz. Thanks for tuning in. I am joined, as I am each week, by Jeffrey Flanagan. And the Royals uh, will, will probably clinch the AL Central this week. Their magic number is down to three, so it could happen as soon as Wednesday. Uh, and they got a love that will likely happen at home, but... But still, Jeffrey, the story with this club right now is not so much the clinch, but just uh, the funk. Uh, and, and the question in baseball is can the Royals shake the flu, as Ned Yost has called this uh, <laughs> the, st- the stretch where they dropped uh, 11 of 16. Uh, what, what do you make of it here in the last two weeks? How important is it to finish strong here? I
1: think it, it's going to be important. Um, they, they're not playing their best ball right now. That's pretty obvious. Uh, and every – as you know, when teams go in the slumps like – this, it's usually not just one thing. It's kind of yeah. everybody contributes to it. And, you know, one day the offense doesn't work. The next day the starting pitching's bad. They've had some uh, bullpen eruptions. Uh, just kind of, and some bad defense, too. And, oh, let's throw in some poor base running yesterday. Um hit three guys picked off yesterday on the bases. Yeah, uh, I think that was five for the weekend, and that's just ridiculous. They're one of the best base running teams in baseball. So I think what that tells you is that there's a little bit of a concentration lapse going on, mm-hmm. and, um, Ned's not particularly worried about it. You know, they bashed the ball. at had 19 hits yesterday on Sunday, um, and he's just hoping, waiting for their bats to come around. That's a pretty good sign. So, uh, if they're if they're hitting, I think Ned is pretty confident that he's got the the pitching will, will work itself out, and and they'll be back to playing
0: uh, Royals baseball again. A little bit of trivia here, and it might prove trivial, but uh, the Royals are 7 and 12 in September. Only three teams in the wild card era have won the world series after a losing September. And the last was the 2006 Cardinals. So it's been a little while on that front. Certainly like to see the Royals, uh, turn things around here in the last two weeks. Uh, obviously- as a matter of fact, I just wrote about that too. Uh, uh, this is my off
1: day story. Um, and last year, the Royals kind of limped into the playoffs too. Um, they were actually 10 and 10 and the Giants of all teams. Uh, I think they were like, uh, I have to go like, at like seven and 12 going into the playoffs. So, you know, it's not critical that you're just scorching it uh, because you just get hot one time in the playoffs, and we saw it with the Royals last year in the yeah. wild card game. that could just flip the season. So uh, that's, I think that's another reason that it's not overly concerned.
0: Yeah, the Royals weren't even hot in that game. They were hot uh, <laughs> sitting on, basically. And then from there, just wrote it from there. Um, how about the bullpen, Jeffrey? Obviously, that's a huge talking point right now. Greg Holland with his fifth blown save of the season Friday. His ERA in the second half is over five. Uh, Holland Davis and Herrera and even Ryan matson they were all down on Saturday. Sunday's win, as you mentioned, was a blowout. So, you know, there was there was no need for for Ned Yost to change anything, but uh things are obviously coming to a head there. What what do you expect for the, the closer situation here? Well, it's a tough one. I
1: mean, Ned's really in a tough spot because um Greg Holland's been his man for the last four years. Um, you know, they don't they don't get to the game seven of the World Series last year without Greg Holland. Um He's, he's been a warrior. He's he's a competitor, a fierce competitor, uh, but his stuff is not the same, um, and his command's not the same, which is even worse. Um, I think Ned can live with the fact that there's been you know noticeable velocity drop now uh, yeah. in 1993, and you can still get guys out because that's you know basically 80 percent of baseball uh, pitchers throw in that in that range. You know you don't have to throw 99 to get people out, but you better spot your fastball pretty well, like Chris Medlin did yesterday, uh, for the most part, because Medlin doesn't throw very hard either. He's 90, 91, 92, so you get, and he's got a, and Holland's got a ferocious slider, so. but it doesn't do any good if, you, if your fastball is just kind of lame and it's all over the place, and that, that led to the blown save. So, anyway, I, I, I do think that he's going to probably shuffle it a little bit. Um, the problem is you, you still have to use Greg Holland somewhere. I mean, you, you're not going to just PFA him, so, I mean, he's got to, have to have a spot somewhere late in the game. Do you put them in the seventh, eighth? Where do you put them? Um, I think that's the thing that Ned and his staff right now are kind of mulling over. Uh, because it, it, in the ninth inning, it, it's got to be Wade Davis's job because he's one of the best really pitchers in baseball. And um, you, at least if you blow something in the seventh and eighth inning, your offense has another chance to, to come back. But in the ninth, uh, you have no chance. So... I think that's why ultimately he's going to make the switch. He didn't have to yesterday. Like you mentioned, they they were all down yesterday anyway, and he got an off day on Monday. So maybe on Tuesday he makes that call. I think he might just flip it and go flip the H D H and go, I guess it would be HHD um, with <laughs> Holland, Holland, Herrera, Davis. So I think that's probably what he's going to do. But I'll tell you what, that's going to be a tough conversation to have with Craig Holland because he is a competitor. And he still thinks he can get guys out in the ninth. So uh, it would be very interesting to see how that all
0: works out. Yeah, sometimes guys will, will take the burden off the manager and just go to him and say, look, I know I'm not getting the job done, but but obviously these are competitive men in a competitive business. And those conversations yeah. are not always so easy. Um, there have been some difficult conversations about Johnny Cueto the last two weeks. He can't go a week or even a day without talking about him, but uh, his, uh, his start in Detroit on Friday night, seven innings pitched, two runs allowed. He was hit hard early and needed an outfield assist to get out of the first inning, but, but still an encouraging outing overall. What did you think? Oh, that
1: big time. I mean, they uh, they made some adjustments. Kind um, of interesting stuff, too, because um, Sal Perez is a tall catcher, he's 4'6", and when he's in his squad, um, he sets a target that's a little bit higher than, than shorter catchers. And I really hadn't thought about that, but uh, it, it apparently was, was bothering Johnny Cueto. And so and he didn't want to say anything you know, the first you know, five, six, seven starts because, as he said to Ned, that, that, hey, Sal Perez is a gold lover. He's an all-star. I'm not going to tell him how to do his job. But um, he thought he needed a lower target because he's one of those pitchers that throws to the glove. And so he he just thought a lot of his pitches were up in the zone because the target was too far up. And yeah. so they made a very subtle adjustment, and we saw it. All weekend, it was kind of interesting. I, we've never seen Sal do this, but he was doing with the whole staff. As a matter of fact, he was down when nobody was on base. He was down on one knee, um, getting that target, you know, knee high or even lower. Um, and for the most part, the pitchers really responded, uh, including Cueto, who had his best outing in over a month. So uh, I'm not going to stand here and say that, that Cueto is fixed, but that was certainly uh, an outing that looked a lot more like Johnny Cueto. Got a lot of ground balls, uh, kind of. Got his rhythm back, his tempo back, and it, it looked like the, the guy that we saw when he first showed up with the Royals.
0: So I love stuff like that because you can analyze this game up and down, and you probably never land on something so fundamental, you know? Yeah. Um, and and they they did finally figure that out. So yeah, hopefully that uh, helps Johnny kick it into gear here uh, down the stretch. They're definitely counting on him, and the rotation is, is obviously interesting in general how it'll line up. Uh, we know now, uh, Chris Medlin supplants Danny Duffy. Uh, basically, uh, Jeremy Guthrie moves into the rotation, but it basically comes down to how Medlin has pitched and how Duffy has pitched. And, uh, one guy is, is trended forward and one guy's kind of trended backwards. But, uh, I'll start with Medlin, just, uh, 4-1 with a 3.93 ERA. From what you've seen, what are your expectations for him, uh, as far as being in that postseason mix?
1: I think he's just going to get better and better and better. I mean, he's a ball rider's dream to begin with because he's a good quote and he works quickly and throws strikes. And saw that again yesterday. He didn't have. He was kind of getting squeezed a little bit, but he was. He's always around the zone. Um, he's. He doesn't, you know, freak out when when he has base runners on, and um, you know, he's he's kind of a poor man's Ned calls him a poor man's Greg Maddox. He just he he just gets get, gets hitters out or makes them get themselves out, you know, more accurately because he. He's always right on the corners. Um, he, he, we mentioned before, he, he only throws 90 to 92, but he's got great, a great breaking ball, and a good changeup, and he knows how to, he knows how to pitch, and it's kind of a joy to watch him uh, do his business. So it's, he's going to be the number four guy in the playoffs for sure, and I suspect he'll just keep getting better and better. Uh, as far as Danny goes, you know, it just they, they gave him more than, than enough chances. He just could not keep off, our, our base runners off the bases because his command was so so bad, and he's going to probably be on the bright side. You add another power arm to that bullpen. Um, he'll be the second lefty behind Morales, and if he does well here in the last two weeks, he still could be a factor in the playoffs um, as as another 6 inning guy or something like that. So that um, is looking on the bright side, like that. You know, you lose duffy in rotation, but you only need four. The playoffs. So here comes Danny out of the plan and going
0: 95-96. So
1: uh, it's kind of a win-win for Ned.
0: Uh, one last thing, Jeffrey. Kendrick's Morales had the three-home run day Sunday, set a Royals record with 15 total bases in that game. <laughs> you know, everybody talks about A-Rod and Prince Fielder for comeback player of the year, but Morales is definitely uh, right up there in the conversation. 21 home runs this year after eight all of last year. What do you think about that? I, I definitely would. you would be he'd be the guy to vote for. I mean, that's just a monster year. When you're
1: hitting 21 homers and driving on 105, playing half your your games at Kaufman Stadium, um, yeah. I mean, if he was playing in Baltimore, he'd probably have 40 homers. Um, it's just it's been a, a delight to be around. He's a good clubhouse guy. Um, after last year, I mean, this definitely qualified as a, as a comeback player of the year, I think. And, and he actually can throw Ryan Madsen in that group, too. I mean, that's the guy that's been big league since 2012, and he's got 62 appearances, he's got a 2.35 ERA, um, and we forgot to mention him, too, as we were talking about the bullpen, and, um, how he will be a factor in the playoffs, too, as a 6th, 7th, or 8th inning guy, so Ned's got plenty of options down there, but yeah, Kendrick had, had, the, had a career day yesterday, it was kind of fun to watch, especially the triple, uh, he's had two triples this year, and they're both at, at America Park, and uh, <laughs> to see that big guy lumber around the bases is pretty fun. And uh, he had the stop sign. Actually, uh, he, they were. jerks at third base was waving him to stop, but he was not going to stop. So he could kinda just kind of just barreled those all the way to the third and, and made it easily. So I think he got more of a kick out of the triple than the three home runs.
0: Yeah, and for the comeback conversation, I mean, you're not just talking about 2014 to 2015. You're you're really talking about him being you know, back resembling the guy he was what feels like many years ago in Anaheim. So it's yeah, absolutely. I mean, he
1: had some monster years there, and, and this, is, this is the same guy. And this is the guy that they thought they were going
0: to have when
1: they signed him in the offseason. So uh, he's been everything they expected.
0: Absolutely. All right. I want to thank Jeffrey Flanagan for joining us. The Royals are on the verge of the clinch. We'll be sure to check in again before October begins. Thank you all for tuning in. This has been MLB.com Extras, Kansas City Royals edition.